it took everything in me not to piss myself. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome into the Damn Ryan Show, the official podcast of theloopsports.com. My name is Anders Johansson. Joining me this week on the episode is uh, fellow editor. This is the first time we've had an all-editors podcast. We got Patrick Flowers and Owen Schoenfeld joining me on the episode this week. And I'm excited that we all get a chance to hang out and talk for a little bit. What have you guys been up to? Not a whole lot. Just trying to keep the boat running, keep the boat floating. There you go, Owen. I caught a little bit of uh, this game. It was, it was very pleasant. We were talking in the the pre-show about Matt Davidson. You guys want to jump right into that? Because <laughs> I know we all have things we uh, want to say. Yeah. Okay. I'll take the lead. I know this is uh, this is going to be dated a little bit by the time you guys all listen to this, but this is. Monday evening and this afternoon, I pretty much slammed Rick Renteria for his ridiculous reluctance to play Matt Davidson on a regular basis or even a semi-regular basis at this point. Uh, and I went something to the tune of the fact that he's pissing away any momentum and confidence that he's built so far by not playing him. And uh, Tonight he goes out and goes three for four with a homer, a double, a single, and four RBIs, and uh, I'm just ready to talk crap to anybody right now about it because <laughs> I told you so. And 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 not to and, mention uh, that was not your your garden variety single either. No, that I was mean, a, that was a, was... a 110 mile an hour exit velocity off the left field wall. I like that we're able to talk about so, exit velocities now. Like this is how far technology is coming. Absolutely, <laughs> like, I never would have considered an exit, an exit velocity like two years ago, and now it's like, oh, what was the exit velocity on that one? You know, <laughs> Jason Benetti said originally that it was 600 miles an hour, which it looked like, <laughs> but it was 110. <laughs> I tweeted that Cody Ashe's uh, swinging strike was 50 miles per hour. That's how long it takes his bat to get through the zone. He's horrible. <laughs> he is crap. I'm serious. I'm sorry. I mean, I know this is this guy's livelihood, but, you know. When it's, uh, it's when my dad working. and I went to opening day, um, he uh, Cody was up to bat. It was later in the game, and there was not many fans left. And uh, this one guy stands up in the section, like, ten rows behind us, maybe, and he goes, Hey, Cody, show us why you were cut by the Phillies. <laughs> <laughs> because you know he hovers around the Mendoza line. Well, <laughs> no. this this year he's he's batting what point fifty seven. He hasn't had a hit since April thirteenth. That was five days before the last time Matt Davidson got in that bat before tonight. That's how ridiculous this is. He's doing better than Jacob May. I mean, <laughs> what, one hit? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that before that before tonight's game, Frazier and Ashy had five hits combined. That's what I looked at earlier. And Davidson had like six more than them in half the at-bats in limited playing time. So here's the thing. Cody Ashe is... What is he? He's like 25 right now. 
And he was at one time a top prospect. Yeah. Right? Yep. But here's here's my issue with it. He has had now two seasons, both with the Phillies, 2014 and 2015, in which he had more than 400 plate appearances in a season. And his OPS was just in the you know mid to low 600s. So at this point, Cody Ashe has had a you know extended period of time to prove himself. And my question is, why do the White Sox, who frankly owe him nothing, I mean, he was a, I believe, a non-roster invitee. That's correct. So he made the MLB team. I mean, that alone is Somehow. enough of a favor to him. <laughs> and then you've... Well, then you've got a guy like Matt Davidson who the organization targeted. This is a guy they traded, a a pretty decent closer who, by the way, had a great year last year. They traded him for Davidson. And and this is a guy the organization, specifically Rick Hahn, believed in. So it's very curious to me why when he comes up and he's this hot – You'd sit him. I mean, I was sitting here thinking, is he injured? It, you know, I think uh, there was a headline on MLB.com said like Davidson out for the last four days. You know, I went to click on it thinking it'd say he had some hamstring flaring up oh, or something. Yeah. It just said that was Merkin. is in it. Yeah, it was it was Merkin. Um, in a, inexplicably not playing him, and it just. It reminds me of Trace Thompson. It just, uh, yeah. Why? Why are there there these narratives year in year out? I just feel like this team repeats itself over and over again. You know, it was, it was Casper mm-hmm. Wells back in you know 2014 or whatever. It was I, I like uh, Jerry Sands. The strikeout rate above forty percent. I feel like there's always one player. There always has to be one player, and it's fine. They're just like screaming the team, to get DFA'd. Yeah. If there's no one else, then it's fine. I have no problem with Cody Ashe sucking up at bats if there's not a former top prospect who's got a pretty good glove at third, legit right-handed power, the ability to walk, and and has shown some flashes. If that guy wasn't waiting in the wings, I'd have no issue. Well, I'm, but he's there. And I'm he's tell on you, the bench. I'm tell you right now. If, if even if even if Matt Davidson didn't exist or he was hitting about the same rate as Cody Ashy at this point, I'd rather see Nicky Delmonico play. I, I don't. I, I'm so. I don't want to see a guy who's hitting 057, who's had like you said two years, two consecutive years with 400 plus plate appearances and has done nothing. A non-roster invitee suck up this kind of playing time on a team where it's supposed to be evaluating internal talent. I don't want to see it. It's it's a waste of time. Delmonico's I mean, a good I example. I love Todd Frazier. What about Danny Hayes? Like Danny, Danny Hayes, Hayes too. absolutely I, I, lit it up in uh, spring training, and he didn't even get a chance Matt, to make Matt the team. Matt tried to... Smitty tried to, tried to go off on me because I originally pr- called Jacob May, and I was right, and, and Danny Hayes making the opening day roster because they should have based on what we saw in spring training. And that was obviously in addition to Davidson. But I just I, I don't know why this kid made the team. Cody Ashy, I don't, 
I don't know when they plan on DFA and him. I, I, it's just it's mind boggling. It's it's nuts. And and the whole matchup thing, just spare me the bull crap. I'm so I don't want to hear that. It, it, he went out tonight and he got his home run against Vargas, who's a lefty, and then. The second, the, the double that he hit was against a right-hander, and the and the ball that he smoked off the left field wall was was against a right-hander as well. And entering the game, he was hitting three thirty-three against right-handers, who we've seen the majority of his at-bats against this season because he was playing the majority of the time that Frazier had the flu. So there's no reason to sit him. I don't this play the best nine every day. Who cares about this matchup crap? Play the best nine guys. Put the hot bat on the field. That's what we want to see this year, according to the White Patrick, Sox. Patrick, tank for beer. No, I, I, no, 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 no. I don't, I'm sure Seth Beer is going to be a pretty good first baseman or corner outfielder who hits for power, or he could turn into Adam Dunn. Either way, I don't care. If we get him and it pans out, great. If not, I don't care. I want to, I'm all for the rebuild, and I think that they've got the foundation laid, and I trust Rick Hahn. But I'm not more concerned with losing games to beef up a draft pick than seeing the guys that we have now flourish into additional pieces down the line in this rebuild. You know, Matt Davidson's how old? 20, He's, uh, 25. 25. 25? Or 26. 26. 26. Okay, 26. Yeah. 26. If he has... He's a year older than Avi Garcia. The season that, that, that he's having, that he's on pace for right now, or, or, or even even less than that, at 26, guess what? Next year, he's a starting third baseman. Period. We got nobody in the system behind him other than Delmonico right now that would, that would <coughs> warrant that kind of opportunity. Well, here's the thing. He, a lot of people are going to say, look at this, you know, 47.2% K rate. It's 36 plate appearances, okay? Also, when you're not playing on a regular basis, and Davidson has said this himself, it's hard to get your timing right. So that is even more a reason why I want to see Davidson on a regular basis. Now, yes, the batting average on balls in play, it's 533. Clearly, there's huge there's there's regression coming, but this is a player that has posted uh, 0.5 F4 in 11 games. He's got a more than playable glove at third. He can even play first. There's a lot of different ways you could orient this team. You could have right. Abreu DH, Frazier at first. You could have Davidson at third, Abreu at first, Frazier at DH. I mean, like there. Are, at least three or four combinations in which Matt Davidson can get regular plate appearances. So it's not like he's just being crowded out of the roster. Now, as far as people being high or low on Davidson, yes, he had two seasons at AAA with sub-300 OBP. But this is how I always felt about Davidson. Right-handed power is a pretty good commodity in the game, despite... You know, the huge uptick in home runs. They've got to, by the way, this is a different discussion, but I think they've got to be juicing the balls a little bit. There's some speculation that they change baseballs around the end of, I think, the 2015 season. And we can get into that, but um, regardless. I've heard that as well. Power. I've heard that yeah, too. Yeah, power is still a commodity. Um, and if you look at it, his. Despite the low average, he's always shown this power. 
He had two, even in his down years, he had double uh, over 20 home runs. And the guy's got a walk rate around 10%. If, if, you know, if Matt Davidson did not know how to take a walk, I'd be a lot lower on his profile. But this is a guy right. who who can can get on base. So, so he, I you know, So he's got a walk you know, rate and, about 10% right now. Okay? So he gets give him 400 at bats. He takes 40 walks. See, he strikes out uh, 125 to 150 times. But at the same time, he plays either the corner infield positions or the DH position and gives you right-handed power somewhere in the middle of the order at 25, 26, 27 years old. You're not taking that moving forward with, with what we have in the system and the plan moving forward? That and at his current pace, he's driving in a run every, what, like 2.8 at-bats on average? Right. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, I'm going to give you guys two batting lines, okay? Okay. Um, 275, 356, 400, that's a 756 OPS. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now the other is 264, 325, 569, that's an 894 OPS. Okay. What did I just name? What was the first line? What was the second line? Um, In regards to Matt Davidson. Oh, this the second line is is against right. Are you talking about this season only? No, I'm talking about career. Career. I would have to yep. say that the second line is against right-handed hitting. Pitch. Right-handed yes, pitching, is. rather. I'm sorry. Yeah, but yeah, it is. So don't give me this. He can't hit righties. Yeah, no, that's that's crap. That's absolute crap. What stat sheet is Rick Renneria looking at? I don't know. That's a good question. Some stats Robin left behind. <laughs> I, I have no idea, but it just, it just. I mean, we joked we joked about it on the pre-show, but there's got to be photos going around. Uh, something. And I mean, he's either either that or Cody Ashay. Cody Ashe has him. Jerry Sands, he had him. Or, and I think these guys just keep handing them off. I don't know. You know? Either it's got to be Next, Diane Vecieto is going to be back. <laughs> don't even joke about that. <laughs> I said the White Sox should bring Vecieto back. Oh. The tank. The tank. The tank. Hey. Hey, maybe. <laughs> look at look at Eric, Eric Thames from the Brewers. He comes back oh, from Korea or whatever, and he's leading the league in home runs. Bring bring Tank back, sixty home runs. What a two oh seven average. That's generous, Patrick. Two oh seven. Come on. I know that was what he was hitting before he left. Before the juice, the the potential juice. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe Matt Davidson told Ricky his cooking sucks or something. I I, I don't know. This is it, it, there's no s- s- tactic reasoning not to play Matt Davidson every day. And like Owen said, he could play first, he can play third, he can DH. Quite frankly, he probably should play first because Jose Abreu's glove is just bad so far this year. Uh, Was that just a, a random example using Rick Renneria's cooking, or did you know that he's like actually a passionate Well, chef? no, because he's, he's like a, you know, a passionate... I mean, 
Saxfest, and you know, there's been a couple other media references in between now and then, or then and now, that he dabbles in cooking and takes it pretty, pretty seriously. As at, far as uh, hobbies are concerned, at I the mean, ballpark, probably more seriously than he takes making his lineup <laughs> at this point. At the ballpark, in between innings, they'll sometimes show like Rick Renneria will do like a minute and a half like recipe or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's like him in a like a Food Network test kitchen, like, <laughs> like those little tasty videos on Facebook. Yeah, with all the yeah. Uh-huh. It's like hi, I'm I'm Rick Renneria. Here's my recipe for Mexican street corn. It's like oh okay, yeah. I guess we're gonna watch this now. Featuring my sous chef Cody Ashy. Yeah, and I'm clear that makes him sound like a Japanese like. Sous chef, like a guy who you know, cuts Kobe, the Kobayashi. Okay, hold on. You just, Kobe you, just drum, you just drum something up at me. Hold on. Can you tell me why why Steve Stone refused to tell Hawk Harrelson that this guy was not a Chinese hot dog competition participant and his name is not Kobayashi? When 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 we were on the road and Hawk was calling the games, he could not Stop. say Kobayashi's neighbor. It was Kobayashi, Kobayashi every time. People were talking about it on Twitter. It was brutal. And Steve Stone just sits there and, and just you know does the winking nod. It was probably entertainment for him. Okay, Anders. Yes, Anders, you're you're a Reddit guy. I am. Do you guys know the the Kodiashi Phillies Reddit story? Oh, no. I don't think so. Okay. So this user, uh, underscores suck, which by the way, man, if you're listening to the podcast, I just give you a shout out. Shout um, out. Wrote on Phillies Reddit, this was, I think, sometime last year. Who is Kodiashi? Okay, and it's K O D E Y A S H I. And here's the here's here's the question. Here's the question. I recently started listening to Phillies radio broadcasts when I'm in my car. I haven't found baseball in years, but I'm trying to learn the players on the team. But I keep hearing commentators talking about a fielder named Kodiashi. I don't know if that's how it's spelled, but that's what it sounds like. They never use his first name. I've tried Googling, but haven't found anything. Who the hell is this guy? <laughs> and someone said, I, I can't tell if you're being serious. Cody Ashe. He asked, please don't downvote me if I missed the joke. And uh, this thing got a thousand... Upvotes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that is not hard to believe when you listen to Hawk. It's. Uh, oh, never mind. Don't get me started on That's got to be his I, new I'm doppelganger done. then. This can't, my, this can't be the real Cody. That, that actually Cody is Ashy. Hawk. It's, it's the. Hawk is. Uh, Hawk. <laughs> Hawk is underscore suck on Reddit. He must be. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, my entire li- it pains me to listen to Hawk Harrelson broadcasts because my entire life, I loved Hawk Harrelson. I love the Hawkisms and all of it and the energy and, and to a point, the, the Homer mentality. But, but now, I just can't take it anymore. I don't know if I'm just getting older <laughs> or the team sucked for too long or he's 
getting, you know, he's got early onset. I, I have no. <laughs> it is just Hawk, so bad. Hawk is fine gotta, when he's actually talking and he's talking about what's happening on the screen. What gets right, me? I don't. What gets me with Hawk is anytime, and he does this a lot. I don't know if you've noticed, but maybe now that I say something, you'll notice it more. That I, I have. Anytime a player comes up, it, it could be any player. Hawk will say something along the lines of, uh, "This this player is the one of the grittiest ball players in the American League," yeah. or uh, uh-huh. or this this is one of the best right-handed hitters in the game right now. Or this outfielder yeah. has got one of the best arms, and like everybody is the greatest at something. To Hawk Harrelson, no, no, but but Anders, we've talked about this before, and it gets even more nuanced. It's like the guy can be hitting two thirty three, like three oh four, and he's and just he's just not squaring it up. Yeah, he's just not and it well, up. that that or Hawk will say something like, but you know. Uh, you gotta just look at this guy. He's one of the best in the league at hitting that outside slider yeah, was, and just say. you know <laughs> dinking it into the right field. Just one despite, of the, no one despite has what this despite what the stats say. Coverage. This kid right. is one of the best at just hitting look. a three one curveball. It's like what the heck? It's been that way for a while, Stoney. Uh, <laughs> it's just how many times do I gotta hear about how hard of a worker Courtney Hawkins is? Are you kidding me? If he really worked that hard, he'd be in the major he'd leagues. He'd be able to hit his way out of a wet paper bag <laughs> after seven years in the minor leagues. I mean, I'm just exaggerating, but he's <laughs> that's a Courtney Hawkins is, is is a lost cause and terrible pick. Routinely, routinely, we have to hear about how hard of a worker he is. Okay, great. <laughs> We wasted a first-round pick on him. He's going to be a really hard worker at some non-baseball job in two years. Awesome. Good for him. You know who was real tough, though? Carl Yastrzemski. Yeah, sure was. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, know that, you know that any of the remaining Hawk diehard lovers and, and Benetti antagonists have already jumped off this episode, so we're and they'll never listen to us again. At the point where they, you know, listen to us. Well, I mean, we we preface the conversation by saying we enjoy Hawk. I love Hawk. I, I just want him to stop. I love now Hawk. before I don't love him anymore. Yeah, don't stop now, boys. Oh, oh God! Sit back, relax, and strap it down. <sighs> so here's here's the thing. I, what I love about Hawk is it's something you don't get in a lot of announcers these days who have sort of that dry... 45 seconds of you silence. You hear the passion. Well, so it does go both ways. But we do have to admit, when the White Sox are playing well and, and get the big hit, there aren't too many better calls than, than a Hawk Harrelson call. I agree. Of a, of I agree. Like a walk-off hit. I mean, he's that's where he truly shines. It's just... He does not, I mean, let's talk about how announcers profile. He does not profile well as a announcer in a rebuild, downtrodden half decade. Because no. that's what it's basically been. And it's been frustrating. And that is why we sort of get, get the silence. But I, and, and like you guys said, some of the stories get a little old. I mean, I feel like I can mouth 
some of the broadcasts now. Seriously. Especially when they yeah. play the Orioles. I have heard the... <laughs> you know, they wanted... Front office wanted Adam Jones to be the guy. <laughs> and he sat him down and said, you gotta lead this team. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he... He wasn't so sure at first, but you've seen he's he's Tony Pony. He's become one of the best players in the American League, and I've heard that uttered every time they play the Orioles. God bless Steve Stone because that guy just sits there and just takes it like a brick wall. He never steps on Hawks' toes, no matter how many times he's heard the same story. Boy, that and with that schools, Manny I Machado, I tell you and, what. He's developed into one of the finest third basemen this organization's ever seen. <laughs> well, that's a good thing because he'll be playing for the White Sox in two years. I was just about to say, Hawk will be saying that on a broadcast in two years. Yeah, hopefully from his rocker. <laughs> I can't take two more years of it. It's going to tarnish my feelings about him. Hashtag win for champagne. <laughs> Yeah, and and I, I've seen some people give give Jason Benetti some slack because he's he's a little dry. I I like him. I mean, I don't. Know I think he does doing. really good. I think he does a really good job. I think he's uh, he's a kid from Chicago. He's not he's not a kid anymore, but he was from Chicago and he's a Sox fan, and it doesn't bleed through. It's not transparent. He's a professional. He's yeah. a good analyst. He's not he's not a. Uh, He's not a homer to the sense that it gets annoying because he takes losses like a fan at home where he's making excuses and screaming at the TV. (laughs) Yeah. I love when when Benetti... not only is he play-by-play... Go for it. Continue. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, I was just going to say, not only is he he, uh, play-by-play, but he's, he's like... A color analyst, too. Right, yeah. He's, kind he's, of he's very smart, and he, he knows the game, and this isn't his first go-around in, in calling ball games, and, and he's done it in basketball, and he's done it in uh, minor league baseball, and he knows what he's talking about. He's, he's good. I like him. I just don't think... I think that sometimes him and Stoney's dry humor rub people the wrong way, and I don't think it's because it's not funny. I think it's because they don't understand yeah, and that's a personal problem. I don't know how, what to tell you. If you don't get that dry sarcasm, then you're not gonna ever. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's you, just you can't learn to appreciate that kind of humor too right. well. I don't know, Patrick. You're not one to speak. You haven't understood uh, Renneria sarcastically not playing Matt Davidson. Sarcasm. You, yeah, that's sarcasm. That's sarcasm. <laughs> really? All right. I'm not what? You guys not get don't sarcasm? Get go, it was a joke. He's on no. the bench. It was a joke. Oh, just kidding. Yeah. He's hit, hey, he's he's hitting. Uh, he's lead, he's got three home runs and ten RBIs, and he's hitting uh, almost four hundred. But I'm not gonna play him for a week because I'm trying to bust your balls. It was, it was a prank. Come on, guys. Guys. Just, just come on. <laughs> just. Just you, Patrick. That's it. I'm busting your balls, bro. <laughs> Anders, when you said that, like, it was a prank, I thought of, like, Kenny Williams talking about Robin's tenure, like, at the microphone. Gotcha. It was a prank. Was a prank. Gotcha. Come on, guys. Come on. Lighten up a little bit. <laughs> uh, 
How about uh, how about those Blackhawks, you guys? <laughs> Did they even show up? Like, are, are we going to talk I've about got, that at all? I have two pretty, I have, I have two <laughs> contrasting theories on this. One that I believe more so than the other, or want to believe more than the other. The first is the one that I don't want to believe, and I don't, I don't really believe truly at this point, and that's that their window. The championship window with this current core is closing. And by by the core, I mean Kane and Taves and Keith and Seabrook. Although, you know, there's a lot of miles on on Duncan Keith's knees and a lot of miles on Seabrook's knees, and they don't look the same anymore. So it it really could come down to Kane and Taves in a retooling matter over the next few years. I don't believe that yet. I don't want to believe that. What I, th- I what about P- Panner and oh Panera, he's going to be there. I mean, he's that kid's a stud, and 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 that bridge catcher, you know, coincidentally, you know, every everybody gets 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 all bent out of shape about talking about the idea of possibly trading Crawford, but and, and I'm not I'm not giving my opinion on it either way because I don't think I have one yet at this point. Uh, but they signed Panera into a six million dollar per year cap hit on that bridge deal. Coincidentally, Crawford's cap number is six million dollars i mean they didn't do that on accident okay they left the possibility open there that they would clear that space they needed by moving crawford and re-signing scott darling who's done a tremendous job in his three years as a backup goalie but that's getting into a real deep hawks conversation in terms of the retooling that i'm sure we're going to delve into in the coming months the the other direction that I'm leaning more towards in terms of this embarrassing exit from the playoffs is the theory that they overachieved during the regular season because the rookies that had to play, not because Q wanted to play them, because we all know how reluctant he is to play young guys, they had to play because that's just what they had this year because of the cap constraints. They overachieved. They had phenomenal regular seasons. And so did everyone else around them. And they played such brilliant hockey in March and early April and, and and a lot of February that they fooled us. And I think they fooled themselves into thinking they were better than they really were, which is a team with a with an aging core and a bunch of young guys who have no playoff experience. And then they get into the playoffs, and those young guys play like a bunch of young guys with no playoff experience, and the core plays like an aging core, and they get swept. And it was like the the, the, the they gig are was up. Who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook. Exactly, right. Our Canes and and Taves though have um, what like four years left. For yeah, them and, and they're only twenty eight years old, and I don't think those. You know, I don't. I, I think they're going to be just fine. I just think the. I just think that even with Taves starting slow this season, he turned it on at the end, and that's what he tends to do all the time. I'm not. I'm not even worried about that. I just think that. I think that. The overachievement of the young guys that we're not used to seeing play under Coach Quinville and get that opportunity fooled us into thinking they were better than they were. And I think it fooled them, too. Doesn't that bode well, though, for it sure uh, does. the 2017-2018 the yeah, season in which... We might see some of this them convert on the ceiling. I mean, that yeah. you know... It makes sense that they were inexperienced and, and ran out of gas, but to me, 
I'd be more concerned, I think, if the, uh, I'd be more concerned if the young guys also, like, had just shown, shown nothing towards, say, the end of the year. But I, I think we saw a potentially, you know, brighter future for the Blackhawks. Maybe this year is just that transition window, that anomaly. But right. it really, before the playoffs, this was a team that you could say could go to the Stanley Cup without exactly. squinting. So it's, it could just be one series. I don't know. I, I have this theory that uh, that the United Center just could not have two playoff teams <laughs> in two different sports. Just paid them off. <laughs> the Bla- I wish they would have paid the Bulls off then. The Blackhawks. <laughs> the Blackhawks were the were the Vegas favorite to to win the cup at the start of the playoffs. I mean, they fooled Vegas. They fooled everybody. If and I believe this theory because heading into this season, this was supposed to be the retooling year where. You had to see what you were going to get out of these young guys and then go from there. This wasn't supposed to be a number one seed year. This wasn't supposed to be a Stanley Cup year. This was a year you were kind of eh, hemming and hawing about because they were kind of they were in one of those transition years that they've went through over the past uh, you know nine years now during this this era this this sustained run, well, really a modern day dynasty. But they those kids played very well and maybe they played above themselves but they gave you a preview of what they're capable of for sure in a sustainable fashion moving forward but yeah by the time the playoffs came they played like kids and then the core they were burnt out they were gassed you know let's not forget that Patrick Kane made a run for the scoring title again this year I mean he was (laughs) he was overshadowed a little bit by the overall production on the team but he was near the top of the league in the top three in scoring again this year I think That's, if you're looking at you know, the puts a lot of grind on you. just the Blackhawks alone in their development, that what we saw towards the end of the season bodes well for the future of the team. But outside of the Blackhawks, looking at the rest of the league, like the Predators, they were just as young as the Blackhawks and they were hungrier. So how are the Blackhawks yeah. going to play against a team like that? Like the Predators are only going to get better. What about other teams in the well, in the game? I mean, you're right because Edmonton is is building a, one hell of a team that's gonna that's gonna have some sustained success for for a long time, and and, and they're already they handled their first round opponent pretty easily. And um, you're you're right, the competition's there, and of course we all know how hard it is to sustain any sort of long term success, championship caliber success in professional sports nowadays with the, the you know the parity that the leagues create intentionally to keep the small market and big market teams as equal as they can for revenue reasons. But this, you know, what concerns me is the fact that Stan Bowman came out and said, you know, took accountability for how embarrassing the exit was and how it was nothing near the standards set by this organization during this era. And it was unacceptable and big changes were coming then the first change that they make is they fire uh, Q's assistant coach, his friend, today. And th- then it comes out like four or five hours later, uh, Bernstein and Goff brought it up today while I was listening in traffic that multiple NHL sources have have already heard that 
that Q's hot about it, that he's mad. That this he wasn't consulted before the move. That this was a knee-jerk reaction by by the front office to set an example to rile people up. And if you guys remember back before they won the Stanley Cup in 2013, there was a lot of tension between Q and the front office to the point where there might not have been the the two other cups in the in the interim, and there might not have been this happy happy, you know, decade-long or nearly decade-long relationship. It was almost over. There was a lot of trouble in paradise, and the Cups quelled that, and now it, it, it's... This was a bad look for Stan Bowman today. I, I hate I hate moves just to make a move, and, yeah. this, and especially when it ruffles the feathers of someone who's so crucial to your organization. And this kind of draws me back to as uh, beleaguered as he was, getting rid of Tyler Flowers and, you know, the message it sent to Chris Sale. Yeah. Because, you know, that was his catcher. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the marginal gain of, which, by the way, it wasn't a gain at all because (laughs) DeAndre Navarro was was the worst MLB player in baseball that year. Yeah. and I, I, I'm, I think he was at the bottom five in F four, maybe, but it, that's not even factoring Horrible. in like that he was the anti framer. Yeah. Um, he's, it, but the point is, I think a lot of times teams, front offices across all sports, they make these moves just out of urgency, uh, just to to send a message, to symbolize any sort of movement, and sometimes the more pragmatic approach is to. Take a step back, and and sleep on it. And when by sleep on it, I mean you know wait a few a few weeks into the off season, and and really look at your options because because they you know firing the assistant coach they've burned that bridge. Yeah. So I'm you know it's not like it's not like you can go back two weeks later and say yeah you know we've talked with the players. We kind of watch some tape. Like we see what went wrong. This was just like an aberration. You know, I know the the power plays weren't good, and that was supposedly his his uh, calling card. You know, his domain. But I just I think this is a move that, especially like you said, Patrick, if it upsets someone like like you know Coach Q, then why just why do it? You know, what is the gain? I'm, is the the marginal gain m- worth uh, disrupting that relationship? No, I'm I'm all for front office upper management wanting to make a move to send a message, but I think a lot of times teams don't really realize what message they're sending, and making a move to send a message is a good thing, but you got to look at the timing of the whole thing and what message you're sending. Arguably, yeah, none of, firing, none of that should have happened now. Right, firing the assistant head coach would have been sending a message whenever it was done. They could have uh, they could have saved all of this trouble by coming out, you know, in two weeks or three weeks and saying, "Hey, we've we've evaluated the assistant coach. We've determined that he doesn't meet the standards of the organization, and we've made a decision to let him go." That still sends a message, and it makes the organization look respectable in doing so. So then all, all the team and everybody else says, well, if they're willing to get rid of this guy, maybe we should tighten things up a little bit. You don't have to make that knee-jerk reaction and cut a guy right away because then you're just going to be dealing with damage control. You can do it later on 
send the same message and keep the respect in your organization. Yeah, I think you're spot on there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, yeah. Well, and why would you want to piss off Coach Q? I mean, it, this I saw. I've seen a couple people, a couple people today on social media compare. Coach Many people Q are saying to the fact. I'm sorry. Compare Q to Phil Jackson in the sense of Michael Jordan made Phil Jackson. Without Michael Jordan, Phil Jackson would have never been done anything with the Bulls. That I agree with. Not that I'm not. I don't. I think that Phil Jackson was a great coach, and I think the Triangle was a great offense in the '90s. I think he's a fool now in New York, but that's a whole other conversation because you know what? This isn't the 1990s anymore. This is soft basketball. This is run all over the court with the basketball in your hand, baloney. But anyway, that's a different conversation. Point was to that is if you think that that Coach Q. Is just filling a filling the role, and that Patrick Kane and Jonathan Thames made him. You you don't know what you're talking about. You're dumb. Stop talking about hockey. I can't stress that enough. You you're kidding me. This Patrick Kane, the leading scorer, the primary offensive cog for this team during this era, up until two years ago, was continuously getting in trouble with the police. Who was he leading? It's it's not about it. I mean, it's especially in hockey where your superstar will spend fifteen minutes on the ice in a game. In a sixty-minute game, you're going to tell me that 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 Coach Q had nothing to do with it. That he was made by his core, by his star players. No way. I, I'm with you, and that I think that argument doesn't carry any weight. And I think that just has to do with the difference between. Hockey the and fact basketball. That they want to go and ruffle his I think in uh, is, is, in is basketball, if your star player is Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant, you're gonna be uh, you're gonna be doing a lot better, you know. So in, in basketball, it's very much a, I mean, one player can influence a game a lot more than a hockey player can. How many players? Do you think you need on a baseball team to kind of be the equivalent of that one player? Because, you know, we looked at a White Sox team that had Chris Sale, Jose Quintana, uh, Carlos Rodon, Jose Abreu, um, and, and consistently underperformed. So to me, it's... It's a real it's it's a fine line. There's a lot of intangibles and we can look at just true talent, but you know, sometimes it doesn't click and you have to wonder um yeah, that's why I'm just such a big fan of of common denominators. Is you look at uh you know, what's the constant in every scenario? Um and and I think personally as far as, you know, knowing much less about hockey than say than than baseball. I still think Coach Q and and I felt this way about uh, Tom Thibodeau too. Are you know were some of the best cream of the crop. You know the Joe Madden esque of their prospective leagues. So I I just that's why I don't like the idea of of 
doing anything that could hamper these types of relationships. And I think we're seeing some of those effects, like, on you know, when the hardwood goes over to the ice and the Bulls play, and they've got Fred Hoiberg. Um, you know, that voice in any sport, the, the voice in the clubhouse, um, on the ice, on the hardwood floor, on the field, it matters. And yeah, we can't quantify it, but just because we can't quantify something doesn't mean we have to nullify it either. I think in, in baseball, it's a lot harder to have that one impact player uh, really influence the outcome of a game. Because sure, Mike Trout can step up to the plate and hit a home run, but there's eight other guys and Mike Trout's not going to have another opportunity to hit until those eight guys get to do something. Whereas in basketball, uh, more so than in hockey, in, uh, in basketball, uh, a guy like LeBron James or Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant or fill in the name of whatever superstar, and at, at any point he can decide, you know what, I need to really step it up for my team here. I'm going to score 50 points in this game and we're going to win. But a baseball player can't have that same impact because there's so many other factors in, in baseball. So do you think LeBron James is sort of like the equivalent of Sale, Quintana, and Rodon? As far as just team impact, like remove LeBron would be like removing the White Sox's four, five best players. I don't know that the White Sox have any combination of players that would equal a LeBron James. But I think... Uh, I well, think not the currently. Cubs, the Cubs would. But... Yeah. Okay. I think okay. if you were to take Rizzo and Bryant and Russell out of the out of the Lester, yeah, if you were to take all those guys out, that would be like taking LeBron out. But like I said, I don't think the White Sox have any combination of players that would equal the impact of LeBron James. Uh, Davidson. This would actually be a okay. Right, right now, <laughs> yes. Abisil Garcia. Davidson against Who, right-handed uh, pitching. Who's, who's James, Davidson? That kid pitching. never plays. Yeah, right. <laughs> Speaking of which, I, I'm looking at a photo right now of Rick Renneria, ear-to-ear smile, high-fiving Matt Davidson. So there doesn't appear to be tension. Um, again, let's just see what happens. I mean, if this guy's out of the lineup tomorrow, um, <laughs> it is... It is if, if he's Danny out of the Duffy, lineup tomorrow, who, the LukeSports.com is exploding. You, I'm telling you right now, if if he does not run out the same nine tomorrow, I'm going off. I'm going to be mad online. I'm going to start a dumpster fire on Twitter. I am not <laughs> playing. I'm talking Lurie Garcia, too. The same nine. You don't go out on a Monday night and pound out 12 runs on 15 hits and if three guys have three hit performances after – you got blanked twice this past weekend at home and then changed the lineup the next day. No. And this is Matt Davidson with sporadic plate appearances. We haven't even seen him when he has the chance to maybe get his maybe, timing down. Maybe Lurie Garcia. Lurie, maybe that's Davidson's secret. Lurie Garcia. <laughs> play every once play once a week. Yeah, maybe it's, maybe it's Rick Renneria is like super smart and like knows perhaps he knows more than we do and thinks like every couple games will unleash the beast, but he can't play regularly. If he hit if 
if he drove in runs, <coughs> excuse me, if he drove in runs at the rate he's driving him in, and he played once a week for the rest of the season, he would triple Cody Ashy's career RBIs this year. <laughs> it's true. <coughs> what what Patrick just said, I cannot <coughs> confirm, um, because I'd have to like do the math, but it sounds right. They did the monster math. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I um I don't know. I mean, Danny, it's a lefty, okay? If, if Matt Davidson doesn't get a start versus a lefty coming off a, you know, yeah, that's, three for that's, four night. That's another thing. He's going to start tomorrow. I, there's no answer. I, just, and just because it's a lefty. Like we, but. Like we talked about, I, I keep hearing this, um, this Trace Thompson comp about how Thompson, you know, faced a lot of – left-handers in the early going because it was to build his confidence and and maybe to artificially inflate potential trade value. I mean, the the front office was already uh, thinking about maybe going for it. You know, Frazier was a target. They they had ideas of guys they might want to target. So it could have been a thing where they said it was a concerted concerted effort. Let's only put uh, Thompson in positions where he can succeed uh, so we can sell high. And that's sort of what they did. Um, the reason I don't like that article or, or that argument uh, with with Davidson is that he hits he hits righties well. Better. So I, better. His average against right-handed better. pitching is better than his average against left-handed pitching this season. And like you said uh you gave us the two stat lines before. He's up. He hits right-handed pitchers better than left-handed pitchers. And what was the the difference in OPS? Wasn't it like almost a hundred point difference? Yeah, yeah. It was. It was like a one hundred twenty point difference. Yeah. That's insane. And that's over his career. Yeah, I'm telling you right now. If if Davidson doesn't start getting everyday at bats, Rick Renneria is gonna owe me a new TV because I'm gonna put my foot through my TV if I see the lineup and he's not in it one day. <laughs> I'm not. I'm so tired of this. <laughs> I'd have to say, for this, although it it does feel egregious, it's it'd be pretty amazing if this is what made your foot go through the TV after well, watching five years of baseball. This is a brand new TV that I got in the off season, so I can't I can't relate it to my anger from previous seasons. But yeah, well, you had to you had to buy a new TV after the. Samarja game. That's correct. Where he was left in, and, and do then you still have your old TV? You had to buy a new TV. No, I don't because <laughs> you, you should have you know kicked where this that is one. Going. Yeah. Oh, you already <laughs> did kick it. Ricky's okay, going to be on the hook. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be on the hook. All right, this is a 4K TV. I, I, I upgraded <laughs> this winter. Hey, look at I'm, I'm, I'm looking. I'm watching Comcast Sportsnet right now, and Matt Davidson's golden locks look phenomenal in the couldn't 4K. Even, couldn't even get a 5K TV. Come on, Patrick. <laughs> 5k <laughs> no i'm sitting him for a while it's better but i'm gonna sit it i'm gonna leave it on the shelf because even though it's better <laughs> i'm a i'm a little that's con- like me I'm that's a, like me trading in my ps4 for a freaking ps3 tomorrow just because you know what i had fun with this ps4 yesterday but this ps3 is really good it's it's the future right this PS3 is all right. The graphics are pretty crappy. There's no games that are even pr- published anymore for it. <laughs> I'm going with it. 
This is the Kodayashi uh, Japanese branded PS3. That's right. International I'm, gaming, baby. I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm pretty sure Matt Davidson would even would even whip him in a hot dog eating contest. I don't know if Hawk would agree. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting a little that concerned, now. Patrick, that we'll never be able we'll never be able to have uh, Rick Renneria on the damn Ryan. Okay, all right. Listen, I, 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 we talked about it in the pre-show, and I'll say it now, and I've said it to people before, and I'll say it again. Tactically, I think Ricky's doing a fine job. He's really grinding me with this Davidson situation, and that's that's about it. <laughs> so if you're listening, if you're listening, Rick, I think you're a phenomenal cook. I'd love to. I'd love to come over for dinner and try it out. And, no, and tactically, no, Patrick. you're doing uh, great. So Patrick has been having some, uh, some connection issues uh, and dropped off earlier. And he will never come on the uh, Ryan but, show. But uh, he's gonna he'll rejoin us. We need to wrap up the episode anyway. Um, well, actually, I, I think it's possible that the right. White Sox have intercepted this podcast. Yeah, Rick Renneria himself just, shut down the internet yeah, of our I editor, mean, Patrick Flowers. Yeah, I mean, they just they just zapped his internet right there. I mean, who said anything about free speech? <laughs> That's right, uh, Patrick. We uh, we determined that Rick Renneria himself shut down your internet so that you couldn't get uh, a, you couldn't get that or into the Skype call. Either that or that or the Russians hacked the podcast. And I, I'm realizing <laughs> I'm realizing just now that it's still going to be in the podcast because you're recording your audio. We just didn't yes, hear whatever is. you said, so it was good. It was all right. It's it's going to go one of two ways. He's either going to be like, "Wow, this guy's got some door knockers for a sack," or he's going to be like, "I will never allow them to get media credentialed ever." <laughs> whatever. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, we need to uh, we need to wrap up this episode of the Damn Ryan Show. Do you guys have any closing thoughts? Well, that was longer than ten minutes. Yeah, was it? Well, Owen said he was going to stick around <laughs> oh. for ten minutes. It's been an hour yeah. and twenty-two minutes that we've been on a Skype call. I thought you meant. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. You you can't you can't put a time limit on my White Sox baseball opinions. That's right. I I can't. I just can't walk away. I'll watch this team when they're thirty games under five hundred. On August twenty fifth, <laughs> you heard it here yeah. first. I won't even just wait, wa- wait, I'll watch. We might not have a choice. The pitch tracks on my game day. Oh, that's true. Yeah, because <laughs> they might be thirty <laughs> games under five hundred in August. I think that's really pushing it. I don't think, but not because of Rick Renteria. He's a fine manager. That's right. <laughs> Disclaimer. Actually, my my closing thought will be, and I've said this over and over and over mm-hmm. again. The true talent of this team, especially in the bullpen, uh, is is simply too good. Uh, it's not a tank team um, by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, for any uh, regression you want to bank into the Avisil Garcias, the Davidsons, the Derek Collins, uh, you gotta acknowledge positive regression for guys like Abreu and Frazier, who are not gonna OPS, you know, five hundred the rest of the year and Quintana who's not going to finish with a 
you know, 6.45 ERA. So uh, as, as the clock is winding down, I will say that my one big sort of pet peeve this season has been this whole idea to zone in on, on oh, regression, 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 but ignore that positive regression exists because um, that's just a fallacy. So to, to disregard one and not the other. So I, uh, I've said it. I think once the top prospects like Mankata comes up, one of Giolito, one of Lopez sometime in June, uh, the vets are still going to be on this roster. There's going to be a good you know, month, month and a half where this team uh, on paper will not be that bad. So if they're, you know, five games under 500 or, or even 500 on, you know, July 1st, I won't be the least bit surprised. And I am pretty confident saying that. Nope, neither will I. Real quick. You're right. I hey, I called 74 wins before the year. I don't think that, I never thought this team was a tank-worthy team, and I thought that we were going to see some exciting games like we saw tonight because guys trying to earn their spot. And you know, it's just a different aura, it's a different feeling, and a different brand of baseball so far with Renneria. So kudos to him. Uh, in closing, no matter how much grief I give the White Sox front office or their coaching staff, they can bank on the fact that they didn't cut Miguel Gonzalez. There you go. Yep. I, <laughs> I, I tell hey, you what, the boys. The pitching starved Orioles. How do they feel about that? <laughs> this White Sox bullpen is the best bullpen when leading after the seventh inning <laughs> by six runs <laughs> that I ever seen in my entire career in baseball. <laughs> On Tuesdays. On Tuesdays. After 8.30 p.m. When it's less than 63 degrees out. I tell you what, Michael Yanoa has got the most life on his fastball <laughs> and an 0-1 count against a lefty and don't, that I've and ever don't seen. You ever, and don't you ever count out Courtney Hawkins in this workout. <laughs> Dan Jennings stuff plays up when Matt Davidson is on the bench. <laughs> That's got to be it. That's why Ricky's not playing him. He wants Jennings to succeed. I was going to say, I think that's what Anders is going to put at the front of the podcast. Oh, I, I, I already I guy. already have my clip. Don't, don't you is worry. Door, oh, is, you it do? the, is it the door knocker bit? That's a good one, but I no, it's something else. <laughs> All right. Thank you. You will be surprised, everyone. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, Owen. This has been the Damn Ryan Show, the official podcast of the loopsports.com. We will catch you next time.